Welcome to Hacking Your ADHD. I'm your host, William Kerb, and I have ADHD. On this podcast, I dig into the tools, tactics, and best practices to help you work with your ADHD brain. Hey team, this week we're being joined by Ying Deng, known as ADHD Asian Girl across social media. I was able to get to know Ying a bit recently at the International ADHD Conference, and I thought she'd be a great guest for the show. So meditation is something that I've wanted to discuss on the show for quite a while now, but it's also something where I know I have gaps in my knowledge. So I thought this would be a great chance to have that discussion. In our conversation today, we get into what mindfulness and meditation actually is and about some of what it isn't, because meditation often has quite the inaccurate image from popular media. We also talk about the reasons meditation can be beneficial for ADHD, as well as some of the strategies to help bring meditation into our lives, because as you know, ADHD can make starting a meditation habit hard. If you'd like to follow along on the show notes page, you can find that at hackingyouradhd.com slash 169. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should at least be simple. That's why for probably the last seven or eight years, I've been drinking AG1 every day. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel ready to take on the day. And it's just that easy. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, and more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. And I know that with my ADHD, it can be really hard to keep up with those habits that support my day. With AG1, I know I'm getting essential brain, gut, and immune health support with vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients from Whole Foods. I like to think of it as nutritional insurance. It's the way I know I'm covering my nutritional bases right from the start of the day. Even when I'm traveling like I did recently for the International ADHD Conference, it's easy for me to follow through with my intentions of giving my body what it needs with those AG1 travel packs. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why I've been partnered with them for so long. So, if you want to take ownership over your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com ADHD. That's drinkag1.com ADHD. Check it out. Before we get started, I wanted to let you know about Brendan Mahan's parent coaching groups. Just a couple weeks ago, I had Brendan on the podcast to talk about his nine parts of a transition model. I really thought that was a great episode, and if you haven't heard it, I'd recommend checking it out. But back to these groups. The groups begin on Monday, February 12th and run for eight weeks until Wednesday, April 3rd. In them, you will meet with Brendan and your fellow group members over Zoom twice a week for an hour on Mondays and Wednesdays. One section meets at 12 p.m. Eastern and the other meets at 5 p.m. Eastern. The 12 p.m. section is exclusively for parents of teens, but the 5 p.m. section is open to anyone. You can email Brendan directly at brendan at adhdessentials.com to schedule a free info session. Or go to ADHDessentials.com slash parentgroups for more details. But don't delay. Registration closes on Saturday. That's ADHDessentials.com slash parentgroups or Brendan at ADHDessentials.com for more information. All right, keep on listening to find out how meditation can fit into your ADHD lifestyle. I'm so glad to have you here with us today. We're going to be talking about some meditation things, but can you give a quick introduction for people? My name is Zing. So for the listeners out there, I'm on all social media with Handle ADHD Asian Girl. So I got a late ADHD diagnosis in my 20s. So now I'm an ADHD coach. I'm also a meditation teacher. That's really what I do. So I'm really passionate about making meditation more friendly for ADHD folks. Awesome. Yeah. I was should add on that we got to meet each other at the ADHD conference. We were on a panel together. Yes, it yes. was a lot of fun. And we ate uh, pizza together. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, pizza. I mean, how can we forget pizza? It's the best part. <laughs> I, I know. 
But yeah, so we're here to talk about meditation. And I feel like a lot of people might have a very poor view of meditation because like ADHD, the way it's portrayed in popular media makes no sense. Like, yeah, where it's just like, oh, this is something where you're sitting on the top of a mountain going ohm, which, you know, probably is not what we're going for right here. So yeah, can you tell yeah, us a little absolutely. bit about what meditation actually is? Yes. So meditation, the particular type of meditation I'm trained to teach is called mindfulness meditation. So I'm going to just talk more about mindfulness specifically. The mindfulness really is a type of paying attention, a type of awareness that usually associate with spaciousness, curiosity, openness, accepting to the present moment. So whatever it's your thoughts, emotion, body sensations, like for example, you know, listeners out there, I invite you to just feel your body right now. Like, is your feet touching the floor or are you lying down? Are you sitting? Can you feel the surface supporting your body? Can you feel your breathing, like your body parts breathing? This way of paying attention is essentially mindfulness. So that's when your body, mind are together in one place, that's mindfulness. So it's not some, you have to go hiking on top of a mountain and do all this spiritual stuff to get to this awareness. I always say people actually naturally have those moments. If you think back to your life, there are moments you feel fully present and alive and your body and mind are united. For some people, it may be when you are in awe with nature. For some people, a lot of ADHD folks I've talked to, they said it's when they exercise. You know, after exercise, mm -hmm. you have that mental clarity. You really are in one place. So think back to your past and you probably have moments like that. And I always say that it's not some barrier to entry. Like you actually already feel it. We're just turning our attention towards more of those moments. Awesome. To me, I can. that just sounds like beneficial in its own right, but mm -hmm. because... It just seems like, yeah, I would like to be more present and stuff. But then I'm having trouble verbalizing why that's important to do, though. Can you speak about some yeah. of the benefits of doing this? Yes. So specifically for ADHD folks, there's research out there have shown that mindfulness meditation would reduce ADHD symptoms for both adults and children, especially in attention. So I primarily have inattentive ADHD, and I definitely think it helped me a ton of just being aware and more able to keep track of my thoughts and more aware of if my thoughts go down in a train, I can, you know, redirect it back because meditation really is training the redirecting muscle, redirecting your attention back to whatever, whatever focus you have chosen. Also, it has shown to improve emotional functioning and increase self-compassion, improve quality of life. It reduces depression and anxiety symptoms, reduces ADHD parents' stress level, potentially improve executive functioning, both in adults and children, and just generally improve general behavior. I mean, and that makes just the reduction in stress seems like a huge benefit since the most common comorbidity with ADHD is anxiety. Yes. Who doesn't have anxiety nowadays? Uh, uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, and it, it does seem like something would be very beneficial for anyone with ADHD, even if they're not feeling that anxious, to kind of get more mm -hmm. in touch with themselves because we do, yeah, that inattentive side, even the hyperactive side being just like, I can't sit still, being like, okay, well, mm -hmm. maybe let's cultivate some of that. Absolutely. I mean, for me personally... I think it's especially beneficial for me in the way that I think a lot of ADHD folks were doing things that there's no roadmap out there. We're always exploring these undiscovered terrains and territories. So we're oftentimes have to navigate life with our heart instead of a roadmap set out there, which usually roadmaps are neurotypical. So we can't follow them anyways. So in terms of that, I was reflecting on it and it 
really helps me to know, okay, what my energy levels are, what kind of things I can do under those energy levels, what are things that are actually nurturing me, what are things that actually may burn me out. And those muscles I cultivate through meditation, through mindfulness, they help me in general to better navigate my life. Awesome. I had a friend also talking to me how when she was feeling really overwhelmed, especially in like mm-hmm. planning, if she did like five yeah. minutes of meditation beforehand, she was like, oh, I can now figure this out. Now. I was just feeling yes. this anxiety and that was the block and was just doing a little bit calming down that made it so that I could go, move forward. Absolutely. If we use that example is listeners out there, imagine a time if you have ADHD, you probably have felt the overwhelm of planning. And if you're doing meditation in those moments, it may look like you pausing and you're recognizing, hey, I'm having this overwhelming feeling. And this pausing is helping us not to go into the storytelling of, oh, if I can't do this, I will fail. I will do this, this and that. So this pausing already is reversing the storytelling. And we allow it. We're saying like, hey, I'm feeling this overwhelm. Can I let this be? Can I be with it? Even if I, you know, it's not a good sensation. It's not a good feeling. But can I be with it? Can I let it be? And then you investigate where do you feel this feeling in your body? If it's, you know, on your face, a flash of heat, or for me, a lot of times it's my back tends to tense up, you know, it might be your chest, whatever you feel in the body, locate that sensation. And it, you invite a nurturing either gesture for yourself, like a hand on your heart, or sometimes songs or poems, or imagine a loved one saying something to you, like you actually give yourself the self-compassion you need. So that would be what it looked like to practice in those moments. Yeah. A lot of times we have these feelings and it's just so encompassing where we're just like, you know, maybe it's like a hunger cue. It's like, oh, I have to have this piece of chocolate now. And you're like, sit there and go, well, maybe I don't. Maybe I can feel this and I can go, no, that's not what I need to do right now. We could, you know, maybe it's like, I really need to check my phone. Maybe I don't. Yeah, yeah. I was actually just listening to Dr. Judd. He's having a new book out called The Hunger Habit. And he was just talking about it. He's like, in those moment, pausing and, you know, thinking about if you do particular thing, like eat that piece of chocolate, what that will make you feel and really like being those sensations and think, okay, if I choose something else, what that will make me feel and really like getting to the body sensations of that. And that will hopefully help you to make better choices. And also that that totally in line with one of my favorite quotes from Viktor Frankl, who is a psychiatrist and Holocaust survivor. He said, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. So meditation really is just kind of expand that space, give us a bit more time to think about, hey, how do we want to respond? And I can feel like, yeah, having that pause seems really great. But I can also mentally hear listeners going, I have zero pause already. How can I build something from zero? Yes, I love that. So I think for ADHD folks, a few things, general strategies might really work. One is make it a fun challenge and game for yourself. So maybe it's hard to say, I want to sit down to do a meditation for 30 minutes, then do a fun challenge of, can I be aware for two minutes out of an hour? Maybe it's when you put your socks on in the morning. Maybe it's when you brewing the coffee, you hear the water bubbling up, being boiled. Maybe it's the first step you set out of your house and that cold air. We're in the winter right now, the cold air hitting you. What does that feel like? What does that two breaths feel like? So make it a fun challenge. How can you be aware for two minutes out of an hour? And practice with people. Body doubling works and body doubling will work for meditation. So if you can't find online communities or in-person 
and communities practice together, that would be easier. Curiosity, we are naturally curious. So use a lot of the curiosity, invite that in in the meditation. I'm like, huh, I wonder if I can try this new meditation style and use that variety to excite us, to design a menu for ourselves. It doesn't have to be sitting there with no music, no nothing for 30 minutes. I oftentimes rotate through unguided meditations, guided meditations. I sit outside when I can with nature because nature actually has a lot more stimulus compared to when I'm sitting inside. So there's, there's wind, there's sounds. So my body is more just in general, more stimulated and I'm more likely to stay awake, which is a big problem for a lot of folks. We will fall asleep. I will fall asleep often. So those are some general tips. Whatever that has helped ADHD folks to cultivate other habits, those hacks most likely will work with meditation as well. Awesome. Yeah. Because it's not about doing the big gesture here. No. It's the building the practice through small increments. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I see a lot of people that they're like, I have ADHD. I can't meditate. So I don't see why. But it's, yeah, just go for, well, if you can't sit still for five minutes, can you sit still for two minutes or a minute or 30 exactly. seconds? Exactly. My analogy of cooking, I will bring it in. So for me, when I start to learn sourdough baking, I have to be very strategic and think about, can I first really learn a very basic bread well? And then, you know, increase the difficulty. It's the same thing with meditation of, yeah, if five minutes is too much, let's try start with one, try two minutes, three minutes, and just slowly increase that muscle. As well as if sitting still is not helping you, then do movement. There is walking meditation, people walking nature, as well as I personally use movement a lot as a transition from my day to day to the more meditative pauses. So I will use yoga stretches or shaking to get that excessive energy out so I can help myself transition into I can sit down and actually meditate. And there's mindful movements out there that you just do the movements as your meditation. So there's tons of varieties out there. Yeah. And there's also to like speak like, yeah, there's multiple types of meditation as well. Like we were talking yes. specifically about mindfulness, but I know there's like transcendental, which is probably yes. a little bit intense for most people starting because that's I understand that's more of like the like hour long meditations and stuff. There's yeah, also like loving so. kindness. And well, how about we tell people about because I think that's one's really great for just cultivating that good feelings. Yes. So that's what goes back to what we talked about mindfulness, the two different aspect. One is awareness and one is loving. So other than training the concentration and paying attention in this very specific way, with the loving part, there's a whole sloth of heart-oriented meditation, loving kindness meditation, joy meditation, stuff like that. The most common one people know is called metta, which is loving kindness meditation. It's when you have a sincere wish for yourself and others to not go through suffering and to live their life as peaceful as possible and not go through suffering. A lot of times people and me too, I would do my metta loving kindness meditation towards the end of my practice. So, you know, I will be like sitting there for a while now and I will end my meditation with, you know, I wish all beings in the world live life with as little suffering as possible, things like that. And it takes time. It cultivates. At first, I was like, huh, this sounds fake. Yeah. <laughs> I would even have thoughts in my head. Like, I have doubts. I'm like, this sounds kind of fake. But the more you do it, the more you just orient your heart towards that loving, open-heartedness towards yourself and towards others. Yeah. And I think that's that point, too, that you might not see results 
immediately. No, yeah. Which absolutely. is very hard yeah. with ADHD. Like, yes, it does take time. I remember yeah. <laughs> when I was in grad school and doing meditation of body skin, I'm like, am I doing this right? They're saying like, oh, imagining light filling your whole body, you know, body scan your foot and all the way up to your head or other way around. I was just like, am I doing this right? But it's kind of like learning any new skills, like thinking back to when you first learned swimming or riding a bike, it takes time. It just takes a lot of time for that muscle to build. Yeah. Do people have like a, we have a sense of like how long it might take someone to like see any results rather than them just being like, because I, I know when I've done meditation in the past, I don't currently have a practice, just have fallen out of the habit. And now I'm going to be like, well, I need to do that again. It can feel like, why am I doing this? This isn't doing anything. Like, do we mm-hmm. have a sense of how long it would take for people to kind of get that feeling of, hey, this is making a difference? Yeah. So the best I can think about in this particular case, I'm thinking about a study about meditation practice specifically for ADHD adults, I believe. What they did is they did eight-week courses. So it would be eight week of 90-minute session courses, and they start to feel result after eight weeks. You know, even within the eight weeks, they, towards the end, they start to really feel the result of it. Okay, so it is something that people are going to have to put in more than just, you know, being like, I'm a weekend. So, and I think that's an even better reason to be doing this with some sort of accountability because absolutely yeah but also being like hey we're gonna do this for a number of weeks that makes it much easier yes yes and yeah i actually will be offering courses later this year i will offer two courses of introduction to mindfulness courses and since you know i'm still in teacher training so most likely those would be free or donation based so people out there if you're interested you're welcome to join and yeah, I personally find being a community uh, really helps. I actually work for a mindfulness startup. That's how much I believe it. So that's just me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because it is, you know, it's really funny to describe mindfulness as being hard when really it's like very, very easy to do, but it's the executive yeah. function of making yourself do it that's hard. Yeah, um, I think it's simple. Like the practice sounds simple. There's very concrete steps you can do. But it's hard in the sense it's going against what our modern society is wiring our brain to do. Like all of the phone and technology, they are trying to get our attention and they're trying to get us, you know, focus on a bazillion things at the same time. So, yeah, we're going against the grain in a way. So that actually gets me excited because, you know, my ADHD flavor is more like I'm going to be rebellious. So like that mm-hmm. becomes part of my motivation. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Simple, yeah, simple does not always mean things are easy. And there's yeah. a lot of planning steps that go into it. Like, when am I going to be doing this? How am I going to, yes. what's going to be the trigger for me to get going on it? Like, because there is a lot of executive function on the back end of like how I'm going to make time for this in my schedule because like many things in my life it's easy for me to just not do because i don't think about doing it because i'm busy with other stuff yeah absolutely that totally makes sense so for me personally i have a few go-tos like i have like high medium low energy ways of doing meditation Mm -hmm. like if you know i have a really good day or i really just i'm fire with meditation i usually do a pretty long sit down meditation practice usually in my office if the weather is nice i'm outside like sitting on my deck because i love that you know medium energy way of doing it may look like i will lean more heavily on a guided meditation i should say the high energy one i usually am unguided i'm just listening to music or mm-hmm. and just really doing the 
practice by myself. The medium energy version, I usually lean on a guided practice. You know, maybe fifteen twenty minutes guided practice. That would be my medium energy way and low energy way. Yeah, sometimes I'm just like I'm walking in nature and I'm like specifically paying attention to my body walking or you know visuals and sounds or I'm having the go to meditations of like yeah I'm. <laughs> I'm letting my dog outside of the backyard so she can does her business, and I'm just doing a little walking meditation and doing meta at the same time of wishing all beings have as less suffering as possible. So I build in two different versions for myself, and I fully recognize all different versions are welcome. I'm not bashing myself when I'm on the low energy days. I think that's what's important is not self criticize when you can't do the high energy version all the time. Yeah, because and I think that's an important thing for us to recognize is that hey, we can do this. In a way that's going to work for us on that day, because we're not always going to be at the same energy level, ability to focus, exactly. ability to go of our thoughts and stuff. Yes, yes. Well, that actually brings to an interesting point of what meditation is not. We're not actually trying to get rid of thoughts. What we're training is redirecting. Is you know, imagining your sky and all weather is just come and go, and you can hold it all. There'll be sunny days, like you know, good thoughts. There'll be rainy days, like anxious thoughts or worry thoughts or fear thoughts. They come and they go. We redirect to this spaciousness that holds it all, and instead of being entangled with any particular weather or any particular thoughts. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, and approaching it from that, like, yeah, non-judgmental. I'm having this thought. That does not make me a bad person. Exactly. I don't exactly. have to focus on it. Or like, yeah, it's like, yeah. yeah, I was thinking of letting go of thoughts in the sense of like just that cloud floating by, watching it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, floating by. Exactly. I actually experienced that a lot when I first started meditating. I was hyper aware. I was a very judgmental person. But now looking to that statement, I would say like, huh. In those moments, I just had thoughts of judgment. I wouldn't label it as I was a judgmental person.、Mm -hmm. And then the next step would be, how do I feel compassion for myself? Even I would judge myself for judging other people. <laughs> so, yeah, that's why you need both loving and awareness. Because if it's only awareness, wow, I was really aware that I was a judgmental <laughs> person. <laughs> yeah. I've been there. Yeah, it's just like I'm aware of this. Let's fix it.、And、I was like, no, that's not what we're not here to fix things. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess that also brings up the idea of like, are there like wrong ways to meditate? Oh, that's a good question. Like, there's obviously like things that just straight up aren't meditation, but that's what's interesting because in real practice, a lot of times what meditation could look like is. You spend a long time thinking about planning your day, or you're going back and ruminating about things. But then, how you practice in those moments is noting. Of I note with very simple past and future. I don't go into labeling exact thoughts and emotions. Sometimes that's、mm -hmm. difficult for me. I would just be like past, past, future, future. It's the moments of redirecting and remembering. Like, hey, we're still watching this mental morphing sensations. I personally don't think there could be wrong ways to meditate, but of course, meditation don't replace like therapy or psychiatry or any sort of mental health care. So that's the caveat out there. I think it's one of those things. Even if you feel like you had a bad meditation, like even if you feel like you had a bad workout, it's still a good workout. <laughs> yeah, as long as you're doing the right direction, it's the act of doing it. You know, I can't be like, yeah. Well, I watched TikTok for 15 minutes. That was my meditation. <laughs> exactly, you can't count on that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did you like? I watched TikTok for 15 minutes. That was my workout for the day. 
I saw some people yeah, lifting things. Yeah, that does not work. <laughs> Outside of that, yeah, just building the habit and the idea that even bad days are building your ability to to do it. I think especially in bad days. Especially in bad days. Especially in those meditations you think, or like, oh my God, I just spend the whole time thinking about the future. But then you're so aware that you were thinking about the future. You were not so entangled with all the planning and worry or fear or excitement. All right. So I was wondering if there was any thoughts you wanted to leave the audience with. Yeah, I would just really encourage people to explore varieties of meditations out there, like varieties excites ADHD folks. So notice what works for you specifically, because what works for my ADHD brain or other people's ADHD brain may not work for your ADHD brain. And as well as just don't be afraid to tweak the practice. I was really afraid at the beginning of like, oh, I should be following one particular way of meditation. No, I've found that I need to mix things. I need to, you know, do movement, then transition into meditation or do guided meditations at the beginning and then transition into unguided. So try things out, tweak things and see what works for you and use all the hacks that will help you build other hobbies and habits and using those hacks for meditation. All right. And if people want to find out more about you and more about meditation, where should they go? Yes, you can find me at ADHDAsianGirl.com. I have my meditation page there. I have some meditations on my YouTube channel, also at ADHD Asian Girl. And like I said, I will be offering courses this year. So people stay tuned. I will hopefully reach out to Willem and then offer more information in the future. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm sure people will really get a lot out of this. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Willem. Thanks again to Ying for coming on the show, and thank you for sticking with us all the way to the end. I also wanted to let you know that Ying now has a six-week introductory course to mindfulness. If you're interested in getting some help into getting into a meditation practice, you can just go to ADHDAsianGirl.com course to find out more, or just check the show notes for links. But before you go, let's do a quick rundown of today's top tips. One, we can engage in mindfulness during daily activities like putting on socks or brewing our coffee. By focusing on sensations and what we're feeling, we can work on being present in the moment and building up that mindfulness muscle. 2. ADHD can make it hard for us to build our practice, so we can mix up our routine with guided and unguided meditations, sitting outside to connect with nature, or engage in mindful movements to cater to how we're feeling on any particular given day. 3. We don't need to meditate for long periods of time. And if we do find that challenging, we can start with shorter, more manageable sessions and gradually increase the duration as we build up the habit. Four, body doubling can be a great way for us to get into a meditation practice. Partner up with someone or join a community for meditation sessions to make the practice more engaging and keep you accountable. All right, that's it. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear what you thought of this episode. Feel free to connect with me over at hackingyouradhd.com contact. If you'd like links or to read this episode's transcript, you can go to the show notes page at hackingyouradhd.com slash 148. If you'd like to support the show, the best way to do so is to tell somebody about the show, especially if you think they'd like a particular episode. Just click the share button on your podcast player and send it over to them. Or you can consider supporting me on Patreon. Just go to hackingyouradhd.com slash Patreon to find out more. And now for your moment of dad. What did the French chef give his wife on Valentine's Day? Of course, a hug and a quiche.